forever. Dog. Let's do crazy eights. What's that? I don't know. It's like, what is it? It's like an improv warm up. Okay, here we go. You Hold ready? on, let me Google. I'm go- no, I need to Google this. Go- well, I just wrote the word Google into Google. Improv warm uh, up. You might not find what you're looking for <laughs> if you type Google into Google. You might break the internet. I just broke the internet. Hello, Spectrum Cable. Hello, Spectrum Cable. I broke the internet. I need you to send over. Hold on, Brett. I'm putting this in the chat. Yep. This is very important. We started the show. This is already the show. Play this YouTube clip, please, Brett. It's a YouTube clip called Crazy Eights, and there are four people wearing blue shirts, and they're about to do a fun improv warm-up. And we're going to do the same damn thing, Tom. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 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 One, two, three, four, five, six, before the Tiki Torch riot. That's what they were all doing. Before the the Blue Lives Matter. Is that what those assholes are doing before they go out and... That's in Charlottesville. They were all just like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Jews will never replace us. Jews will never replace us. Jews will never replace us. Jews will never. Jews will never. Jews will never replace Jews will never replace Welcome to the show. Welcome back to, to the show. We are we robots. are robots. We, we are, are robots. robots. We, we host, host this the podcast. show. <laughs> These robots are going to start taking our jobs. This next podcast is epic. This podcast is they watch the Harry Potter movies one minute at a time and talk about it. Check it out. In the year 2000, I was in a laboratory <laughs> built by Dr. Langley, and he taught me podcasts. And how I know a podcast. To murder the podcast goes like this. Effects. Welcome um, to Double Threat. The podcast. It's a podcast. Brought to <laughs> by <laughs> stamps.com. <laughs> What's up, Julie? Well, uh, happy Jewish New Year, Tom. Shana Tova to you. Shana Tova to you and to me and to Jews and to we. Uh, you might want to say Shana Tova. <laughs> if you find yourself fasting. It might be Yom Kippur. If you find yourself and you are not eating food. Because you are atoning for the sins 
of 57, hold on, let me check what year it is. 5780. I am still talking like a robot, apparently. No, I went to, I attended a virtual service this morning. And this synagogue that I've gone to for the last couple of years, I'm not crazy about. It's fine. It's a little conservative for me. You know me, I like, you know, taking my top off and rolling around in body paint to express yeah. my love of the Lord. And I was going to say, I don't think this is a synagogue. I think you're at Burning Man. <laughs> I'm a burning, Bernie Man. My Uncle Bur- You know I have an Uncle Bernie, right? These are the names of my uncles. Bernie, Stanley, Harvey. What are yours? Uh, Name your uncles. Name your uncles. Keith. Uh-huh. Keith, Ran- Keith Ranier? No, he's not my uncle. I have an Uncle Keith. I have an Uncle Herbie. Um, I have three Uncle Allens. You're lying then, to uh, me. Then there's, uh, then there's uh, Uncle Blubber. <laughs> Are you just looking at Disney movies? No, there's no. I'm not. I'm looking. Not looking at Disney movies. I have mm-hmm. an uncle. Uh, there's an uncle, The Little Mermaid. Oh, I have an uncle, uh, Emperor's New Groove. Anyway, the the rabbi's sermon this year was not so hot. She was like, uh, she was like, it's a tough year, and you're like, and, and she's like, even you la- like, you think? <laughs> I said that in the comments. Like, I'm gonna unmute on this. You think? <laughs> kind of a synagogue we don't have heckling is not allowed we i don't go to my services at the friars club because i was okay uninvited by showing up bottomless to a hanukkah party and if you can't see me i'm doing air quotes anyway she said she like very 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 last minute shoehorned a ruth bader ginsburg uh reference into her sermon and it was not great because everyone is heartbroken over the loss of one of the greatest human beings of all time and certainly one of the greatest Jews of all time, and especially the Jewish community. And this woman opened her sermon by saying, it's been a tough year. I unmuted, said, you think? She kept talking. She Mm -hmm. said, even last night, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Things keep happening. And then she moved on. And then she was like, you know, I'm out. Yeah, she dropped the shofar. Shofar out. Shofar so good, baby. Well, happy Yom Kippur. It's not not Yom Kippur. Okay, you don't say happy Yom Kippur. It's Rosh Hashanah. You say have an easy fast when it's Yom Kippur. And when it's Rosh Hashanah, you say happy New Year or Shana Tova. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Well, I said Yom Kippur. I said... I knew it was Rosh Hashanah. Then you said Yom Kippur, and I was like, wait, did I get it wrong? No, because you said if you were fasting. You don't fast on Rosh Hashanah. Oh, see, that's what I messed up. That's what I, when you said that, I was like, I know it's Rosh Hashanah, but maybe I'm getting it wrong. You're not getting it wrong. let me switch. Okay. You know what Rosh Hashanah means in Hebrew? Uh, Rosh means head. Okay. Ha means the, and Shana Mm -hmm. means year. It's head of the year. What would you rather, Julie, Mm. that version of Rosh Hashanah, Mm. That you just experienced again, mm. or Ross from Friends and Shanana <laughs> doing a concert, a Ross Shanana. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So that would be, and Ross Geller, he's one of the tribe. Ugh. 
friends. I don't like Schwimmer. I don't like any of that stuff. But I do like the idea of Roche and Sh- Ross and Shanana doing a Rosh Hashanah service. Dick Clark's rocking Rosh Hashanah with Ross from Friends and Shanana. So the deal with Shanana at Woodstock was what? There was just like a bad booking. I just think they were doing a thing at that point, which was kind of like we're playing the music from 10 years ago. Rock and roll. Like we're doing this thing like like that music was not gone. But they were doing just like a an amped version of rock and roll stuff, kind of like stripping stuff away from a lot of the psychedelic stuff and the the kind of pretension that was getting into rock that they were just kind of like, no, we like this stuff that's still still it, it wasn't dead and buried at that point. It, it was, was just like, less the least right the less popular music. And I mean bands like at that same point, the MC5 and all bands like that were definitely like revisiting 50s rock. Right. And, and, but kind of doing it in a heavier Right. But way. in a way, it's almost like nostalgia, but too soon. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. It would be kind of like if you were just doing things from 2011, like you were like. Right. I'm going back to 2011. Mm-hmm. And What's I'm that? putting Go- my own what is spin that? Go- on it. Go- I guess you would be doing. Goat yay. Goat yay. They're from Australia. It's me, goat yay. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's goat yay. Goat yay. I got ya. I got ya. I got the. I got your ear. I got your nose. Now, do you know what we goat on this episode of the show? Who we goat? Larry Wilmore. My favorite person who isn't you. No, that's kind of you. Or Brett. Mm-hmm. Or Jamie Jazz. Yeah, he's he's great, and it's going to be a ton of fun. And speaking of Brett, our mm. producer, intrepid, engineer, corporate intrepid gentleman. I can't believe I came before Jimmy Jazz. My my stock is rising. Well, I forgot about him for a second because he's not in the room. Ah, yeah, he's yeah. off doing something. You know, he threw an alarm clock at me this morning. <laughs> Overhand? I don't know because I, my eyes were closed, and then I got bonked. Mm-hmm. So well, that alarm clock works. Yeah, no shit. He he's uh he's an abusive partner, but he loves me. I'm like olive oil, and he's Bluto. Yeah, he was trying to recreate safety last. Clearly, you hanging off the yeah. off the arms of the. <laughs> I'm redoing uh, safety last a giant Apple Watch. <laughs> Who's this character you're doing? The guy that remakes silent films. At the, does he work at the Apple store? Nah, I just remake silent films. We're doing safety last, but we'll have a giant Apple watch. So he's trying to get a job at the Genius Bar, but they keep saying no. They got it in for me there at the Apple store. Up the Apple store there. Genius. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who tries to get hired at the Genius Bar because he thinks he's a genius. Yeah, let's see your uh, Mensa membership, huh, genius? <laughs> he keeps bringing in toasters for them to fix. Yeah. Seems like the only thing you're a genius at is charging me $2,700 for a laptop. I realize this, this guy's been talking to a wall full of iPod covers. Yeah, he's in his home. <laughs> he's in his basement, and he's, he's made like a homemade Apple store. 
It's like Rupert Pupkin, but yeah. like with an Apple store in his basement. Ma, leave me alone, Ma. I'm helping a customer. And then he's got one of those fake little theaters where they do the presentations, but it's like three folding chairs. And he's like, this is how you're going to do Adobe Photoshop there. <laughs> Brett. Our, our listeners, the Double Threat, are the best. And we look, Absolutely. we are the best. In they're the, the we best. are the they're best. The in best. The biz. We're the best. This is a great team. This is our team. We're going to look. We're on the precipice of civil war. I haven't lied about that. I know that's true. I know it's coming. I've seen three documentaries, uh, only two of which are about cartoonists. Uh huh. So I know what's. I know what the. I smell what the rock is cooking. So what are the documentaries? You saw Frogman, right? I saw Crumb twice. You saw Crumb twice and then Frogman. Who's Frogman? Where they stole Frog. They stole Frogman from that guy. Pepe the Frog. Yeah. Oh, I like that movie. Where they're just like, we're taking your frog. And he's like, I'm going to rescue my frog. I'm telling you right now, I'm coming for my frog. You have been warned. I think if they're going to do an edgy reboot of the Muppets, Mm -hmm. they should have Kermit get a job and find out he's been hired as a Pepe replacement. Well, I like that. And then he gets at first. He's like, no way. And then he gets like inoculated into the like that, like community. And then he becomes an incel and he calls uh Miss Piggy, uh, what is that? Becky's or uh, I think it's Becky's. Yeah, like who would be who in that world? Sam the Eagle would be like a Chad, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, it, it like Kermit gets arrested because he joins the Proud Boys, mm-hmm. and he goes to a, a like a counter demonstration, and the president's like, "There are frogs on both sides. There are good frogs on both sides." Yeah. And then fucking Cuck Skeeter uh, <laughs> does something. Yeah, that kid. That That is. I hate well, Who's the worst Muppet? Skeeter. 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 I hate I still him. I think the worst Muppet wanna... is the one from that Muppet movie. The one when they redid the Muppets where they're just like, hey, here's a new Muppet. Oh, yeah. That, that, I don't like you're him. You're just kind of like, what's what? that? Why? You had 900 Muppets in the. Uh, uh, 900 Muppets laying in this back room here just waiting for somebody to stick their hand in. <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> you got to go make a new one. Oh, but don't worry. He's more boring than any other Muppet you've ever seen. I don't even seen. remember that. The name. Do you remember the name? It was like Herman. Walter or something. Was it Walter? Well, he can be in this edgy reboot that like he becomes, I don't know. He's like an elder, but then it turns out he's, you know, selling child pornography. I think this is an edgy idea. I think it's a cool idea. I think it's an interesting idea. Julie, I've got good news for you. Mm. I'm green lighting this. You're green you, it's not easy being green lit it, well it's easy being green for you because you are going to make a lot of green julie klausner's the muppets <laughs> <laughs> julie klausner's the new muppets not your not your father's muppets it's not your father's it's not your muppets. father's muppets comma they're dead <laughs> <laughs> People, we found some people have uh, a couple issues with the uh, with the, that poster. That means they're talking about it. Yeah, 
Well, no, they are definitely talking about it, but in the poster, you're implying that all of the yeah. <laughs> Muppets that everyone loves are dead. All press is good press. Now press my flesh. <laughs> Brett, you're drinking the largest coffee I've ever seen. What is going on with you? Have you seen this, Tom? He's alternating, like, I think it's a kombucha, or maybe it's a cold brew with this gigantic, like, big gulp size of... What is oh happening my God. over there, Brett? How much caffeine are you drinking today? Uh, so this is actually not a, a coffee. This is a this is a, a melon juice from the ta- taco stand downstairs. Okay, and um, what's the other thing? This this is in fact a cold brew. Yeah. Tom, what do you think of this? It's terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's way too much. Have you heard of water? Here's I mean, I'm going to give you some advice, Brett, and this is just for you, mm-hmm. not for everybody else. You might want to switch to cocaine. (laughs) That's way too much coffee. You might want to click down to cocaine for what that for that cold brew is doing to your system. Alternating between these two giant vessels. Glug, glug, glug. He's not making sounds. I'm just concerned. Yeah, there definitely wasn't a plan going in. And I uh, I didn't sort of buy them as a as like a unit. unit? I bought them independently on two different separate impulses. Did you eat anything today, Brett? uh, Yeah, yeah. I've I've had I've had I've had lunch. Okay. What do you think he ate for lunch? Gasoline. Both guests. You think gasoline? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Brett took two pieces of Wonder Bread and then put two kind bars on (laughs) in the middle. What I do is I just take loose ingredients out of my HelloFresh box. I, I don't. Oh, like, I don't make sure. the dish. I just sort of, you know, it's just all. Your I'll just have line. like some, yeah, kale or just a, yeah. like a bag of sauce. The box yeah. shows up. First thing Brett does is shred the the instructions for cooking. <laughs> then he's like, "I'll figure my own path out on this." He's like, "This looks like a drink." <laughs> and they're like, no, this is clearly meant to be cooked. And he's like, glug, 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 too late. And he's like, gulp, too late. Like the, the draining the bottom of it with the straw. And then he's like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> I slam a couple care of vitamins and then just reach my hand into the HelloFresh box. Stop promoting sure. our yeah. sponsors. Yeah. They're alienated by these ill... It, th- these yes. these these are not their intended usages. This guy's gone rogue. He's gone rogue. Hey everybody, Tim Heidecker here with huge news. Office Hours Live recorded another episode live. It was one of our great ones with the great Rory Scovel, who's got a new special out on MAX. Oh, yeah. And the Trinity's here. DJ Doug Pound. Yes, hello. And Victor Berger the Fourth. Hi, hi, hi. Can't wait for the fifth. We enjoy the heck out of doing the show, and so will you. If you find us on the podcast app of your choice, now. Have the listeners sent us anything? Oh yeah, brilliant? yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, these are the I got these are the absolute best listeners in the biz. We I'm love just, our fans. Week and, after week, I can't and believe. And you're starting what to send us photos of yourself wearing merch, and I love every yeah, photo, yeah. but there aren't enough. And of course, we want you to snuggle up with your friggin' pets in these photos. Yeah, and where can you get 
uh, Double Threat merch? Uh, you can get the Double Threat merch at tpublic.com slash stores slash double dash threat. I also put that link in the show notes. And uh, speaking of the merch, uh, uh, Tom dropped a Yeah Right in there a while back. There have been some requests for a Yeah Right shirt. Yeah. And uh, if you want that to happen, send in your Yeah Right designs. Send in yeah. any ideas you have for Double Threat merch. Yeah. Because I was thinking this the other day. Brett sent us a pitch for a shirt that said Zeppo sucks. And I was thinking the other day of walking down the street of how much I wish I was wearing that. So if you like that idea, too, let us know. We'll make some. I think yeah, we can pop that up on there. No, no yeah. problem. Sitting, sit, sitting in drafts, just waiting, just waiting yeah. to pull the trigger on that. It's a one. wonderful idea. If one person on Twitter tells us they want a Zeppo suck shirt, I'll no, put, more put than one. There. Come on, Is it, don't you're gonna, <laughs> Brett, you're setting us up for failure here. Yeah, we're gonna get trolls. They're gonna say, "I want it," then they're not gonna buy it. Come on. Three is three enough. Brett, this is not a conversation you have with talent. Yeah. This is a conversation you have with business affairs and forever dog people that are like, wow, if we spend this much money, we'll be all be wearing barrels by September of 20, whatever the heck. That's not a conversation (laughs) you have with two people who know too much about Terry Gilliam. You're right. I'll do a full cost benefit analysis on Zeppa sucks. And then I'll I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't send it to us. We don't know anything. You run that up the flagpole. Not the friggin' flagpole. Uh, Last week, uh, Tom, you played uh, a recording you made of the uh, paper towel dispenser from from hell um, that you mm-hmm. found in, in an IHOP uh, up on the central coast. From hell slash IHOP. And uh, we had some listeners who, who made good use of that sound effect. Um, this first clip I'm going to play for you uh, is from OC Defender on Twitter. Uh, and, um, he found a good use for it in star Wars, uh, in the, uh, the pit of Sarlacc scene. Um, okay. Can't remember off the top of my head, which, which star Wars that is. Return of the Jedi. I don't don't know what this, I don't know what this is. I watched from the Sarlacc pit. I watched the birdcage again last night. Okay. So first let me play the, the original sound effect here just to refresh everybody. And then let's hear how it uh how it works in Star Wars. <laughs> so as so as okay. So as Luke swings his lightsaber, he's out on the little the little hover thing over the Sarlacc pit, and he swings his lightsaber and knocks a guy off of it and they dubbed in the paper towel as his scream as he plummets. Oh my God. Uh, that's the greatest. So funny. Yeah. That's brilliant. I've shared that clip on our Twitter too. So you got, you got to get the full, okay. the full uh, experience of it. Uh, hop on over to the double threat pod on Twitter. <laughs> and then uh, outstanding. This, this is a real deep cut. Uh, another one of our listeners, Ben, uh, noticed a similarity between the paper towel sound and the theremin sound from the song Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Which is, I get, I already know how this is going to go, where it's like, crazy, because the guitar goes. It's when the Osmonds, the Osmonds went hard rock at a point. Oh, did they? And this is one of the best songs you've ever heard in your life. Really? I'm not kidding you. The song Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Can I hear is, a clip of it before they add the shark? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up. This is like freaking hard really? rock. Really? 
That's one of the greatest songs ever. That's so good. If I was all of a sudden like, hey, I got this. Uh, like if I got this like outtake and I said it was like if I said it was like uh, Grand Funk Railroad or something. And somebody would be like, oh, my God, that's how was that not a huge hit for them? Because it's the Osmonds, you jerk. Or if someone played me that song. I was like, that's amazing. It's like my favorite band of all time. What else did they sing? Nothing that sounds like that. <laughs> would be the answer they did one of those and so here is a uh, crazy horses uh with the uh, paper Who towel sent sound this effect in, Brad, this is from this uh ben uh yes listener oh, ben, ben sent this in ben. <laughs> Paper towels. That's Ben. ben you are my genius. sunshine. Ben, you are a genius. A straight Holy... up. Holy, marry me, my friend. Marry me. Paper towels. towels. <laughs> uh, and then we had a uh, another listener, uh, Brad, write in this week. Now, Brad is a uh, avid bird watcher. Uh, as he says, a birder. I'm guessing that's the the uh, correct term for. Or as I call it, a boider. He likes birds, baby. He likes birds, baby. Hey, what a Walmart. <laughs> Austin Powers having a stroke. So he's a birder. He's a birder, and uh, as you know, last week uh, we played some clips of uh, Terry Gilliam laughing and uh, noted the similarity. Uh, it sounded like a bird call. Uh, and we so, definitely should have given people a warning in case they're susceptible to seizures. True, it, it is the like uh, strobe light equivalent of a of the human yeah. voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, the, it's the sound of seizures. <laughs> Hello, world! I made Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to I laugh cannot. with you until. <laughs> This is this, this is, is like a, this is the most niche parody song. No, this is fever dream territory now, <laughs> where you're like, where like you wake up, you realize you've been hooked to a respirator for three months, <laughs> and this is what was going on in your brain while it happened. It's like, wait, do you guys know that song that like Terry Gilliam? Sings you know the one that Terry that? Gilliam does because he laughs and it's like a bird thing. It's like the sound of seizures. So so this i have to hear so um yes yeah, so uh brad uh the the uh expert birder uh has come up with 
three different birds that he thinks uh, are approximate to Terry Gilliam's laugh. Um, okay. So I'm going to play replay Terry Gilliam's laugh for you first, and then we'll listen to the birds. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, the first bird that Brad suggests is the least bittern. The least bittern. Well, okay. that's that's certainly not what I was elected in high school. Well, I can, yeah, I was elected most most bittern. bittern. <laughs> yes, I was elected most bittern twice shy. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> that is. That's close though. That's his. It I sounds like him laughing. I think it's a different laughing, register though. No, but it sounds like him. It does sound laughing. like him, but it's not like. Wait, can we hear the Terry laugh again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me back up a little bit because Terry has yeah. some different registers he operates into. So hold on. <laughs> and cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Now play the bird. Yeah, that's that works. It's close. Yeah, it definitely. Honestly, it doesn't sound like the clips we heard, but I can definitely like that. That bird does sound like he's doing a great Terry Gilliam impression. Yes. Well, let's see if uh, this next one is any closer. This is the giant ant shrike. The giant ant shrike. What? See, this is why. This is why these are the people that make fun of me. Where I was like, I saw an interesting red bird, and they're like, that's a cardinal. Cause look at this guy. This guy looked like Wendy O. Williams. I mean, like rhythmically, the, yeah. That is the pa- the the pattern is. Yeah, the rhythm bird, is on point. First of all, you're right. That bird is cool. Is the coolest looking bird I've ever seen. The bird is cool as hell. I mean, honestly, even if he didn't sound like that, if I were a lady bird, I'd be like, who is he? I want his eggs inside of me. <laughs> Last but not least, we have a different uh, variety of ant shrike. This is the bard. Was he barred? Bard. <laughs> was he barred from? <laughs> Oscar after parties. Wow. What if this podcast just becomes bird jokes? I'm up for it. Yeah, there it is. That's him. Do you think when the people are recording these things, they're like, shut up, other birds? <laughs> I, I think that's the one. I mean, yeah. I think, honestly, if if there's a if there's something in between the least bittern and the barred ant strike, mm-hmm. should we have people vote? But if you vote for this, if you vote for this and you don't vote in the election, you should. No, (laughs) that's not okay. No, I voted, Julie. I voted for the Bard ant strike. (laughs) Then why why am I enslaved as a woman? (laughs) There's like, I'm in like shackles. Yeah. Hey, I voted. And I voted for who you told me to. The Bard ant strike. (laughs) Shut up. You two back there. Shut up. It's Mead. Mead. Uh, Mead Skelton is like the. Mead Skelton's. The, the, he's like the us. warden and like. Everybody gotta shut up back there. <laughs> uh, shut up. Zip your lips because it's time to shut up. Well, thank you guys for that. That was insane. Yeah. Once again, the listeners blow us away. 
what do we got? Anything else, Brett? Uh, no, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks, yeah. everybody. Keep sending in stuff. Um, I will say as a teaser uh, for next week, um, uh, a lot of people were alerting us to the fact that uh, Van Morrison is coming out with a uh, a, a trio of coronavirus-related songs. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't uh, put that on this week, though, because the songs haven't come out yet, but they, I think they're coming out in the next couple weeks. So uh, to everyone who we got, I think, about, about 10 emails about uh, the Van Morrison songs. So, uh, stay tuned. We will cover those as soon as they come out. Yeah. Great. And then as always send anything that you want us to talk about or show us to double threat pod at gmail.com. And we'll be right back with Larry Wilmore. Guess what? What's that? Our friend Larry Wilmore is here. Oh my God! What, Larry? So great to see you, Julie. I miss you so much. I I've miss been you too. So I've, long. I haven't seen you in person in too a long. couple. In way too long. We keep on. We keep in touch on this. on the phone, on the interwebs, all the interconnected. Whether it's a stupid pandemic, man. I keeping know it's not enough. People I apart. Give you a hug face to face, but it's so good to see you. And I know you too. And Tom, so great to meet you. Congratulations. Oh, yes, same here. Uh, congratulations on the Peacock show. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm so excited. It's so it's called, fun. It's called Wilmore. Lucky for me uh, <laughs> uh, that that all lined up, of course. Uh, yeah, that would yeah. not have been good if you. If nope. you uh, didn't get the job, that would have exactly. been a real bummer. But guys, this is perfect. Don't you understand? Oh, it really was just you. <laughs> yes. It was down to the two of you. We need you to be a little more Wilmore-y. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about doing the show in, is it a studio? Did you guys, did you set up like a, a are you going to a studio by yourself? Yeah, it's kind of like that. There, uh, we found a place. Uh, it's called Honeypot, which sounds like a Bond villainess or something, you know, or like, like a Bond a, girl. Yeah, one of those places in the valley where. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, I will say, people in porn are way better at screening out communicable diseases than people in ma mainstream TV production well, so far. They, they've had a lot of practice with it. Yeah. Right, we should take mm -hmm. a cue from them. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. so you go to you go to Honeypot Lounge. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, the COVID protocols are really good. You know, people are on that. You know, it's a yeah. very spare crew. Uh, and we were able to make the most out of, uh, you know, trying to launch this show very quickly with a very small budget. We're uh, our set designer. She did a fantastic job and just giving us this kind of kind of a cool spare look, you know, with these two monitors and a chair in the middle. So it's very cool. I have to say there's a couple of shows that really work without an audience in the pandemic age of, you know, like current event based comedy. And I think John Oliver's works and I think yeah. yours, yours works really, really well. I think oh, you thanks, hanging John. out and, and chatting <laughs> yeah. to camera, there's just something very intimate and it just, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, and I think maybe yeah. it's also cause you've got like a, broadcasting background you've podcasted like there's just something that isn't um like awkward about yeah, it yeah um well i designed it with that in mind i kind of took the cue from my podcast because i realized doing the podcast you kind of get into a relationship with people because they're out 
walking and you're walking with them, you know, yeah. or they're doing the garden, you're doing the garden with them, working out. And that kind of intimacy, I thought, you know, it'd be good to recreate that, especially feeling like in COVID and we, we're kind of more in a casual, you know, relationship with the world right now, you know. And so I didn't want to have this performative type show where I'm yeah. doing jokes to like, you know, images and making up graphics. I wanted to just be in a conversation with the audience. So that was kind of the idea. Just just be in conversation and talk about this shit, you know. I love it. I love it so much. You know you can also uh use this as a foundation to start a cult. <laughs> I think I feel everything is a foundation to start a cult, Tom, you know. I guess there uh, is that point where you're like I think this could be a cult. I think I'm going to point it in that direction where you're just like, people really seem to be enjoying my podcast. What if we kind of lean more podcast slash cult area? And then there's always that great point in every cult where the leader shows up the one day is just kind of like, I think I'm going to start having sex with everybody. (laughs) That's right before I think. We all should kill ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, like you see, like somebody sees the checklist that he left on the table by accident. It's just like to do list. Number one, start having sex with everyone. Two, yeah. poison all the men. Like, oh no, that's where he's going yeah. with this. It's like, are you a cult leader? Well, why don't you fuck me and find out? (laughs) (laughs) And then drink drink, this. Yeah, Yeah, drink that. (laughs) Drink that weird green drink on the table. Just drink it. So, Larry, what have you been doing to keep yourself sane during these crazy times? Have you been watching stuff? Have you been reading stuff? Have you been uh, uh, singing things to your dog? Have you been dressing up your dog like a little burrito in a in a blanket and saying, "Oh, oh you're God. a you're a burrito. Where's oh the guac?" God. And then you open up the burrito and you give him a big raspberry on the top. And you go, "There's the guac." Wait, where did you get that from, dude? That sounds like an ex- surveillance an footage. Experience. Surveillance okay. footage of the Wilmore Estate. Yeah, there you go. I've <laughs> got to put that tape over the camera. I keep forgetting to do that. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I have hobbies, you know, and I've always had, you know, like magic is one of my hobbies. And every week, like I have a Zoom with a couple of my magic buddies and we practice like tricks and stuff like that. And in the early days of COVID, man, that was saving me because I was looking forward to that because we weren't even, you know, the first couple of weeks, I didn't know what was going to happen. We weren't working or anything and things were shut down. And, That was a big reprieve, actually, that type of thing. Of course, going down the rabbit hole of Netflix and all those things that everybody did at first, too. But that's the thing that has kept me steady, because I do it all the time anyway, you know, um, as an escape of something fun to do, you know. So what do you think of this David Blaine balloon thing? You know what? That's bizarre. I didn't see it because I thought it was just ridiculous. Um, well, do you think is he considered a magician in the magic community, or is he something? What what, what is the ma- as speaking yeah, on behalf of the magician question. community? What is it's, your attitude towards this? Blaine it's a good character? question. Well, I like David Blaine. I think he's done a lot for magic. Uh, he kind of changed magic from this formalized tuxedo like, or even right. David Copperfield. You got to dance in order to do magic. Like I hated, I hated that realm of magic where every magician thought they had to dance to do tricks. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when did you become like right. Fosse and Verdon? You know, right. to, like <laughs> yeah. when, when did that happen? And Just, oddly enough, the Venn diagram: people who do magic and people who can move well are not always like an overlapping. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, 
And so uh, I was very happy when Blaine brought it into the more reality TV version of Magic, where mm-hmm. he focused on the reaction people had. You know, so not so much the, you know, the grandness of the trick, but people going, what? Oh, what? what did I? You know, and running and that kind of stuff. And I thought that was brilliant, you know, and some of the stunts he's done. But he's gotten into more stunt-like stuff, which is a little different. It's not quite magic. It's more a little sideshow type of area. So it's, I don't know where to put that sometimes. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know what you're doing by being in ice this long, David, besides trying to kill yourself. I'm not sure what's going on here, you know. So that I'm not sure what to put with. But he's had he's been a little controversial with magicians. Some really don't like him. Some think he's great. I think he's been great for magic personally. And mm-hmm. um, I met him once and he, he was a really nice guy and everything. So that's kind of my opinion. I saw Chris Angel in Las Vegas and then he did his show. And he's the uh, opposite. He's the opposite. Yes. Yeah. He he had a thing where he was like. Uh, he like transformed. He like a like he he put like a he turned like a woman into a dog it was just like it was like and then he was talking about his sick kid that's good and then, messaging then the assistant came out <laughs> then then like somebody in a wheelchair came out and it turned out it was the hot assistant the whole time so suddenly like this woman in a like half naked jumps out of the wheelchair and starts like jumping around and then it turned into like a five minute dance party. No. And I was just like, I think he's just vamping here. I think he yeah. like <laughs> legally knows how much of a show he has to do yeah. before somebody can request a refund. And yeah. he would be on the show America's Got Talent if they would have a question, <laughs> a question mark. mark. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just do these things. And it was, I was just like, this just seems like I'm getting picked on by a magician. Like this yeah. seems like this seems like a like he's bullying me with his magic. <laughs> yes, like I will do this until you capitulate. Yeah. Right, and, and and then he's like, I'm gonna do some close magic now, and he's got this like Buffalo accent, which is the strangest part of it. This like up, upstate New York accent, and he starts doing the close magic, and they put it on the on like a screen, and I'm just uh-huh. like. I can see what he's doing. Like, like he's under his thumb. Like he's really bad at. It. Like he's like uniquely bad at close magic. And then there's just like, I think back to when I saw Ricky Jay do his oh, show. He with was that brilliant. Theater. Ricky was the, the, the goat. The goat. One of the yeah. best things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh and yeah. It was like now. See, that's artistry there. Ricky. Did you Jay know Ricky Jay? Did you? Yeah, know him? I, got, I got to meet him later in life and. You know, he was so nice. He he had a reputation as being a bit of a curmudgeon, you know, but I think he just I was. What? Yes. <laughs> no, he looks like he's like he gets from three miles away. You'd see him coming and be like, there's a curmudgeon I know. on the <laughs> horizon. And he was he was typecast exactly who he was. Totally. But the his brain for artistry was just fantastic, guys. And I had the pleasure, got him I'm a little emotional now because I admired mm-hmm. him so much and I met him later in life and he was a fan of mine. I was like, no way. Really? You know, and he invited me to his house so once cool. and he was he was working on this routine. He some group invited him over and he just wanted a few friends to look at it. And that he picked me as one of those people and I felt so honored and I was giving him some tips and we sat down and talked a little bit. You know, and like six months later, he was gone. You know, I remember. Wow. But uh, but guys, his contribution to taking magic out of like clubs and stuff and putting it like in the theater, like he was the first to really kind of do that, you know, where he did his uh, show, uh, Ricky Jane, his 52 assistants and on the stem, which he did 
I saw um, in New York, actually, too. It was fantastic. So much good stuff. Now, that he is respected, even though now Ricky Jay, interestingly enough, didn't have a lot of magic friends because he oh, was that just. True? Well, because he's just himself. He did, but he's not trying to hang out with magicians. I, you know? Yeah. Right. Like you pick up on that guy being just like, ugh, get me away from these magicians. Yeah, he's just his like, own person, you know, and he's he was very contrary and was always thinking outside the box. So. You know, he had, yeah, he had a lot of magic friends, of course, but that's his goal wasn't to be competing with other magicians or that type of thing. He was, just, he was an artist, you know, that was yeah. doing his own thing. So and I a guess storyteller that, and someone absolutely. That, so the stuff with the cards of the watermelon, like that's not a trick, that's a skill, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. He just uh, learned how to throw cards that stuck into watermelons and there's yeah. nothing like, there's no like sleight of hand or like. Nope. It's just I, something I, he learned how to do, and he that's did. That's right. I did that. I used to do that in high school because I wanted to be like Ricky Jay, you know, throwing cards oh, wow. and stuff. And yeah, I remember my high school gym, I would try to fling them across, you know, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> what's Those the were, best card you ever stuck? Like, what's the thing where you're just like, yeah, I could have cut your throat with that one. <laughs> I think I hit somebody in the forehead once. Uh, Good for that you. Type of thing. It's like, <laughs> bam! You know. Did their head was, do that thing where it sl- slides <laughs> off like at a 45 degree <laughs> angle? Well, yeah, what happens is they just they just sit there and then a couple of minutes later. <laughs> yeah, then it just goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the, the delayed reaction is the best part of the, exactly. the slice. I won't keep asking you about magic, but I do want to know about what your favorite night was at the Magic Castle. Like, do you have an evening that you will always remember Larry Wilmore at the Magic Castle? That's a that's a great question. I think my best nights and this is just a nerdy answer so i apologize for that it's a nerdy question yeah this is awesome but are just hanging out hanging out to one or two in the morning with some awesome magicians we're in a table and it's it's not crowded at that point most people have left and we're just jamming trying to fool each other just doing tricks and stuff those are my best memories of that place you know just doing that and um me, who I was, you know, I'm an amateur. I'm not a professional. So it, I always loved it when I could fool one of the good guys, you know, and that kind sure. of stuff. And it always felt good to do that. I, I've always had that type of love for it to try to figure out things. And, you know, I've actually been like uh, profiled in Genie Magazine a couple of times where I've uh, come up with my own like moves and routines and stuff. So I've actually, you know, I've kind of made a few inroads in the actual art of it, too, which is fun, you know. Is Genie Magazine the magazine for magicians? Because you, yes. you said that as though we were. <laughs> I know it sounds, and it's not Genie like I dream of Genie. It's Genie like a. Well, oh yeah, yeah I, I figured like a Genie in the yeah. bottle. Yeah, magic is great. Look, when this pandemic is over, you guys need to get your asses out here to LA so I could take you to the Magic Castle. All I want to do is go to the Magic Castle with you. Yeah, done. I've been once. I got my silhouette made. It was very unflattering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really a triple chin okay I love that. that's the takeaway that's what I, I still have to pay you okay <laughs> interesting oh good it comes with a frame you can keep that yes. i think do you have an eraser on that at all or? <laughs> one of my former employers w- was a regular at the magic castle uh-huh. tony shaloub would hang oh, out wow. there and he loved the magic oh. castle so much yes yeah and, that was uh, one of the best nights of my life hanging out there it was the best. It was great. Who, it was so um, who cool. were you with, Julie? Do you remember? Michael Penn and Amy Mann. Very good. They are, I guess it was, is it Michael who's a member, I think? I think so. Yeah, because his dad is like a, my dad's an accountant from the Bronx. Like people have, <laughs> people 
in Los Angeles, you meet them and you're like, yeah, like like Albert Brooks. Like my dad literally died on stage at the roast. You're like, oh, okay. My, it's so true. You don't my know dad, who you're My dad's to. dad sold fruit. Like, I don't know what to tell <laughs> exactly. Very different, very, very different it backgrounds, is. but it's it's all interesting. It's just yeah. you know, what it is. You never know. Look, you never know. Here. I don't know magic. Is, would this work if it was a two person thing where if I was doing a trick mm-hmm. and then I had like somebody who just like dropped something 10 feet away and everybody like turn quick, like startles them. And then I quick do the thing and I just <laughs> do that over and over <laughs> yeah. through a set where it's just like. Where suddenly it's like, like somebody pounds on a door, right? And then everybody's like, "Huh!" And then that's when I, that's when that, I like that's switch when you do the your coin sneaky stuff, yeah, right, yeah. How many times? How many times do you think I could get away with that before somebody goes, "Somebody's about to drop something"? In I a think. Second. I think what would make you a special artist, Tom, is to get away with it as much as many times as possible. Okay, and then and no one can touch you. <laughs> to the point, yeah. Just keep. He did that twenty times. You got yeah. it. I don't know yeah. how I kept looking. This guy is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. it's like, like going, if it's, ah, if it's, yeah, I'm doing ah. it, and then I have my 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 partner comes in like dressed as a cop, and it's just like, all right, everybody. Yeah, there's been a murder, and then by me, by me, a cop, by me, a cop. I'll, yes. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this routine that uh, a a friend of mine posted on Facebook recently. It was a show he did this years ago, and he was. He was just showing an old clip that he did on television. And the audience got to see how it's done, but the person standing there didn't. And it's similar to what you're saying. And what he did was he would take a, the person is standing next to them and he'd take a coin and he'd show it to them like he's putting in his hand. And as he's doing that, someone in barefoot was sneaking up behind the person. What? And he would like, he would flip the coin to that person and they would sneak off. And then he'd show both of his hands and they'd guess and it's like, and it's gone. And they're like, what? And he said, I'll do it again. And he would kept, he would, take bigger and bigger objects until he had a mm-hmm. huge like coin. There's no way this is going to disappear. Yeah. And they held his jacket and the guy, you know, tiptoes, he sneaks it to him. It's, she thinks it's still there, gone. She's like, no clue. And the audience is really laughing. So that's kind of the version of what you're talking about. Wow. Actually. So it's I'm on cool. to, the, I, 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 there's precedent. And the audience Julie. got to see the audience. It, that's interesting because the audience is entertained, even though they're seeing exactly how it's done. If I was yeah. in the audience, be like, there's a guy and he's barefoot. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Julie, the magic cop, the magic cop yeah, sits in me. the audience. <laughs> yeah. Magic also would be a pretty good way to end it all, too, if you just decide, like, people are like, how's this stunt going to happen? And it's like, oh, he's dead. Oh, that's what he was trying to do the whole time. That was a weird suicide attempt. He wanted an audience. He set himself on fire, and then he died. Yeah, the the, the eulogy the eulogy is, ta-da. <laughs> so sad. That is horrifying. There's sadder yeah. things. So, Larry, we do something on this show called yes, Podcast Rescue. Yeah. Okay. Which is like bar rescue, mm-hmm. but it's for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we are going to, with your help, hopefully, um, okay. listen to one and and maybe give the person some tips as to how to improve it or else to just stop doing it completely. Yeah. Now, Bre- Bre- Brett. Sounds good. Brett. Yeah. Do we have a podcast uh, in the hopper? We do. We do. Yeah. Earlier this week, uh, several of our listeners, uh, including, let's see, Dash, Sarah, Lena, uh, alerted us to a tweet from Alan Dershowitz. Uh, oh. Alan Dershowitz, of course, the uh, infamous uh, trial lawyer for clients like 
O.J. Simpson and Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein and Appar- Donald apparently Trump. My Alan Dershowitz Google notification didn't go off this week. So. <laughs> and he's a good follow. I just want to say, he's a good follow. Dershowitz. No, yeah, and I also, by the way, think that every him. every Jewish New Year we should evict one, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna vote for him this year. I'm gonna go ahead and say next uh, year great. next year in uh, Catholicism for him. No offense to Catholics, oh, but um. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not we're offended just, by anything. We're done. We're done. No, no more dirt. Be like, we'll take him. Okay. <laughs> He's launching a new podcast. Man. So yeah, Dersh was tweeted uh, earlier this week. Uh, excited to announce the launch of my new podcast, The Dersh Show. I will be giving you my honest, unbiased, unfiltered assessment of politics, law, and life every day on The Dersh Show. I promise you will not be bored. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I found an episode uh, for us to listen here to on a podcast rescue. Uh, This is an episode that came out uh, this past week. It's called I'm Suing CNN. Find out why. Oh, my God. Uh, An episode of The Durst Show. So the titles of his podcast are clickbait. That's the. Yeah. Okay. Find out why. And here we go. I love the First Amendment. I have defended the First Amendment, and that's why I'm suing CNN for defaming me by putting in my mouth the opposite of what I actually said. You'll hear the story. I'm Alan Dershowitz. This is The Dersh Show. Can you first, right off the bat, Brett? Oh, my God. Putting in my mouth. Yeah. First, he's got this like, he's just got this kind of like, yeah. Cool rock and roll. We're just like, this guy sounds cool. And then he's talking about that. Yeah, that was the maybe the most unfortunate phrasing I've ever heard of anything. I'm suing CNN because they unfairly putting in my mouth. I'm like, sick of people putting things in my mouth. <laughs> I love that how he's in the lawyer bubble. Like anyone's interested in what who he's suing, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Go get him, Dersh. Like, I'm cooking cookies. I'm suing somebody. Oh, okay, lawyer. Fine. Uh, exactly. Who are you suing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think his show should be called The Dirt Shit instead of The Dirt Show. Oh. I think he's got, you're like, this is the shit. <laughs> This oh, is yeah, the yeah. Show. This, or this der, is shit, der, like, der shit. Yeah. Der meaning German for the. Der shit. Exactly. So the, the shit, maybe. So that means his name is the Schwitz. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Der shit. You're listening to der shit. Der shit. I've litigated cases all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on the First Amendment. I represented the play Hair. Remember Hair? The Age of Aquarius? Uh, I won that case. Uh, on First Amendment grounds. In light of my love and support for the First Amendment, you may wonder, why am I suing CNN? The CNN people are going to claim they had a First Amendment right. And I'm going to say, no, they didn't. Uh, So a little background on why I'm suing them. You may remember that uh, I was asked to make the case against the impeachment and removal of President Trump. So I went on the floor of the Senate and for an hour and seven minutes, I made a distinction between criminal conduct and non-criminal conduct. I argued that the phrases in the Constitution, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, requires that for an act to be an impeachable one, it has to be criminal-like behavior. Criminal, criminal, criminal. That's what I talked about for an hour and seven minutes. Criminal behavior. If it's criminal-like behavior, you could impeach. Sorry, can you pause this? 
This feels like someone's leaving a voicemail. Like this feels like your dad left you a message. Like none of this sounds like a podcast. It just sounds like someone either talking into a recorder for a book they're never going to write or just someone leaving you a voicemail without your consent. He laid out all of these. He managed to take very exciting elements and make them boring immediately where he's just kind of like, I was on the floor of the thing. I saw President Trump, but it's still just like, this, this guy's a snooze at this. Like he's already just, it just feels like you're just listening to just a, just listening to a lawyer. That's also yeah. why he doth protest too much when he said in the tweet, you won't be bored. You're like, well, I wasn't yeah. thinking about it, but now I realize that I'm extremely bored. I think he could do better with his episode title, you know? Like, he should just say, like, I'm making a smoothie, found, find out why, and just go on this tangent about he's suing CNN, you know, and just make that like a tangent. Okay, so in my smoothie, wait, but you know what the smoothie reminds me? It reminds me of why I'm suing CNN. Oh my and God, just that's go such a good that. idea. That's such there a good idea, know. like an episode, yeah. like, what's in my smoothie? Or- <laughs> exactly. Find out how. Find out. You know, because this find yeah. out is like this teaser thing that it should be something more delicious. Yeah. And you're also, you see that. You see that question proposed. I'm suing CNN. Find out why. It's like, well, probably because you're an asshole for some reason. I'm sure it's some branches off of that in some way mm-hmm. that you're just an attention-seeking asshole. There were arguments that President Trump had told the Ukrainians uh, that unless he investigates Hunter Biden, uh, they won't get the money quid pro quo. So the question is, was a quid pro quo an impeachable offense? And I I responded uh, very rationally by saying, well, it depends. If the quid pro quo is illegal, if it involves anything that's in any way illegal, obviously, that would be impeachable. You know what I would like to listen to besides what I would like to listen to besides this is the Hannibal podcast where he's um, Hannibal Lecter is talking about quid pro quo and um that's what I'd rather listen to. I'm also in. I'm interested in Brett's little playlist list on the yeah, side I here. That's actually. Pro- I see Prague see, folk. That, Brett, uh, Brett was listening to Nina Simone. He's Ooh. got love awesome. songs. Rihanna. Ooh, what do you got? Introdu- introduction to what? Philadelphia Soul. Is that I what like that tr- is? Tropicalia. You've got your Os Mutantes, right? Listening to Blue Cheer. So he's got some some power trio stuff in there. And Pentagram. He's got British folk. The point Brett. is Brett's cool. Brett's showing off with that uh, with this little. Yeah, this, uh, this Dershowitz podcast is really going to throw off my algorithm on Spotify. I don't know the the recommendations yeah. I'm going to start getting now. Do you think he heard? Do you think he heard a podcast before he started a podcast? No. Like you would never write a book before you've read a book. For example, like that would be the craziest thing you've ever heard. Like you should at least know how books generally flow Look. and feel and. But it feels like he just jumped into this thing. What is it? Podcast? Everybody's doing them. Y'all yeah, do one. I just talk. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just want to hear this thing they put in his mouth. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> you just, he's, he's still, yeah. He's he's stuck on this quid pro quo unless they yeah. put that in his mouth. And yeah. I agree. Who wants a quid pro quo in your mouth? <laughs> I, I would have well, to agree with him on that. Well, what about this, Larry? You're at the Magic Castle, and then mm-hmm. you see in one of those side rooms with like 20 seats, Alan Dershowitz sitting at the table, Yeah, and he does mouth magic. 
Mm. And he just keeps pulling <laughs> the scarves out of his mouth. Uh-huh. And it would just endless things just keep coming out. Would that would you would you be like maybe not a fan of him as a lawyer? Welcome to the magic community. I would say it's the best thing to come out of his mouth in years, is what I would say. <laughs> You'd have to give it to him. Oh yeah. We should listen to like thirty more seconds of the Dershowitz before we reward ourselves with weird ass puggies. Brett, that's my bitch. Okay. On the other hand, what did CNN do? They doctored the tape. They took out all references to illegal and unlawful and just had me saying, if a president wants to be reelected and he thinks in the public interest, uh, it's not impeachable. That led people on CNN to make statements like the following. Here's Joe Lockhart. He says that what I said is that a president can commit crimes, commit crimes. I said exactly the opposite. And then he said, this is what you hear from Mussolini. This is what you hear from authoritarians. Mussolini. From all the authoritarian people who- I've never heard him be called Mussolini. That's what what they they call me at the gym. They call me Mussolini (laughs) when I start start doing my delts. Wait, where are the delts? I'm not even sure where my delts are. I just realized that like- They are muscles. Oh, I know they're muscles. I'm not just sure which ones they are. I just sunk myself as a- Nobody's going to believe I'm a (laughs) fitness maniac. All right, oh, here we go. Ass okay. Weird-ass puggies. Pug life. I said a pug just wants to eat seven days a week. Weird-ass pugs, no other breed can compete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah name a dog that's as weird as puggies. Curly tail, wrinkled face, body weird-ass puggies. Feed him everything you've got. Hungry as a puggy. You, you can stop it. The gram, looking- <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I knew that's what Webb stood for. I just knew it. I just I knew just, it. I knew I it just, couldn't be what I actually what it actually is. It's so dumb. <laughs> oh, that is. I think that is the best song ever written and I it's the only thing that's keeping me sane I hate to be like 2020 but like I really do think it's the only good thing that happened this year we really do have to thank Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion for giving us like songs like that which it these like parodies and stuff they they actually don't ruin the song or no. make you think any differently about the song because no. they're so specific, you know? Yes. Yeah. So yes. you can actually have, both can exist in the world without it being undercut. Like when, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, when he was doing the Michael Jackson stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Weird Al. Weird Al. Weird Al's song, they didn't undercut Michael Jackson stuff at all. They both could exist. Whereas some things destroy it once it's been made fun of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, it it almost makes the things iconic in yeah. a way. Like it 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 affirms yeah. their iconic status. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you like it when Ben Shapiro was like, "My wife says that having a wet pussy is actually bad." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I talked to my wife and she says that if your pussy's wet, then you're probably sick. There's so, a problem. Is it always a- wet? No. Why is it? No, wet it's now? never wet. It's never. She says it's never supposed to be. My <laughs> wife said. If a lady's pussy's wet, there's a problem. So, <laughs> I guess we all know 
Mitch, did uh, you see that picture it, of him with a cowboy hat, by the way? No, I did not. No. Did he move out of California to like... No, I think you're thinking of Joe Rogan. He moved to Texas, right? Well, first of all, I'm always thinking of Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Tom told me he moved to Austin because there's no taxes or something that like... Yeah, Texas doesn't have state tax. Well, it's not called taxes. Yeah, you, you don't mess with taxes. Wait, let's see. Hey, um, I, I got an uncle lives in taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Duck Soup. There you go. It's a classic. Is that your favorite, Marx Brothers? Um, my favorite is probably Animal Crackers because it's them at their rawest, you know, yeah. with just classic lines, you know. Um, but Duck Soup has some great lines, you know. Can't you say when I tell you I love you? Can't you say <laughs> when I tell you I love you? Whatever he goes on her lap. Yeah. It is so funny. And she says, oh, Rufus, that's all I want is a Rufus over your head. Can't you see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> you take me and I'll take a vacation. I'll need a vacation if we're going to be married. <laughs> Margaret Dubon's amazing in those scenes because she plays like seven yes. different emotions. Like at first she's, then she's pleased and then she's hurt, but then what? she's hopeful oh. and then she's flattered and then she's angry. But then, she, then she's okay with him. Okay, so this is Ben Shapiro. Hey, look at that hat. That's like the flying nun. That's like, that thing's ready it's to like, take off. It's like Pee-wee. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, that's not a... I'll say. that works about a cowboy hat is not working in that one. Like, it looks like it's pressing him down. Like, it's <laughs> like the weight of it is clearly starting want- to make him buckle. I want him evicted too. There's two days of Rosh Hashanah. I want <laughs> Dershowitz gone day one. I want Shapiro gone day two. Man, I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm. This is just time to clean up. Clean up she, Shul. Yes, she, <laughs> that's right. After Shul activities. Um, Brett, do we have to listen anymore to this Dersh this Dersh show? Should we like we can let's evaluate end? it. It's yeah. If we you jump to, to the, the very, end. let's just see if he has. I want to just there. hear the last line if he's like, that's a, that's a Dershe or something. What like, if we he went has, to like, the a, final line? What if we went yeah. to the end he was singing? What would you think? Would you change your mind then, Julie, if he was singing? If he was like, kiss today, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> sweetness uh, and the sorrow. I'm so glad we had this time together. <laughs> yeah. His, his trademark his show <laughs> ender. Just to have a laugh or talk about suing. <laughs> or he sings Chop Suey because he likes to sue. Wake up. <laughs> Wake up, and it's time to sue CNN. Yeah. The public can judge for itself. Did Dershowitz actually say that a president. I hate that he refers to himself in the and third if you see person. What I actually said, you'll know that. But if you see what CNN wants you to see, if you see <laughs> the doctored, edited version, you will think, my God, this is a constitutional scholar. No, this is a man who thinks a president can do anything he wants, including commit crimes, as long as he thinks his election is in the public interest. Not what I said, not what I believed, not what I meant. And CNN knows that. So CNN, see you in court. Wow. And you know, CNN could be like, all right, what if we just give you $80 and some coupons to mm-hmm. to Burger King and he'd be like I'll take it he's like I'll see you in court he's like I'll and see you at Burger King he would settle for nothing on this do you watch any cable TV um, news Larry or do you get your I, news online I, or I watch 
a little bit of all of it, not so much to get informed, but to see how they're framing what's going on in the yeah. world. Um, so I'll watch a little bit of Fox, MSNBC, CNN, PBS, um, BBC. Um, I find nightly news sometimes more easier to watch these days. You know, I'm, yeah. I think we've come full circle to having that have value. I love Nora O'Donnell. I think she's great on CBS. Um, so I watch, I don't like watch those whole broadcasts, but I watch a little bit right, of, right, of right. those types of things. I think there are some good n- news shows that are out there. Um, and then there's some that it's just, you know, it's just crap, you know? <laughs> It's just, and by crap, I mean, it's just so narrow an agenda. You just have to pick and choose what out of there do you feel valuable in terms of actual news, you know? Did you ever feel like you're, that you're like, how did I become a political comic in a way? Because yeah. you've done so much other stuff and you're like yeah. a storyteller and you've done like traditional kind of like sitcom writing and all yeah. these different kinds of things. And do you think that you're in this place because you're just like, I have no choice, like look at the world or is it just sort of like, this is what... I, you know, have more to say about than anything else right now or? It's a good question. It was kind of accidental. I mean, I, I did jokes like that early in my standup, but I never considered myself that type of comic at all, you know, because I did a lot of different types of jokes. If anything, I thought I, I liked satire more than political commentary. Like one of my early bits of my standup, like I would do like a fake commercial, you know, and then the, the commercial was for this product called Black Away. And what it did was... You put it a couple of drops in your tongue and it took the black out of your voice. So, you know, you could do phone interviews <laughs> and not get disqualified for sounding black. It was that type of thing. And those types of things were satirical and they're a lot of fun and and that. And I would do some political jokes in my act, you know, um, but I never saw that. But when I started doing The Daily Show, the senior black correspondent stuff, that was the first time I was really kind of focused on that as a thing, you know, but before... I had never really considered it as that's what I do is political right. stuff, you know. Right, right. But but social satire definitely. I I've, I've always done that so. And I'm just going to say this and it might sound like I'm blowing smoke but I'm not. Blowing smoke. Of all the careers you could have. That'd be a better title for Dershowitz is uh blowing yeah. smoke. Absolutely. Blowing myself. <laughs> Like blowing myself, colon. I can do it. <laughs> It'd be like episode Why? Because two. I can get yeah, ready. Yeah. It's for the pay. I'm so taking over to my. You guys paint such disgusting pictures. I want you to know that <laughs> over at my OnlyFans, Alan Dershowitz's OnlyFans uh, for ten dollars a month. I'm really gonna do uh, it this time. Uh, Last time I does. got it close to my neck. Oh what? no! What? I want to say. We're just, it's all beautiful. You think Bodies about the lead. You think about, you know, you know, Larry Wilmore reminds me of Julie. Carl oh. Reiner in terms oh, yeah. of. I can see that. that touches is, all the bases and can is, do, can do all of it. Plus, it is the highest compliment you could give plus me. Plus big time mensch. We're ta- exactly. We talk about, we talk about Brooks versus Reiner. We talk about this constantly. Think about a great guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Can do the sitcom stuff, yep. can do stand up, mm-hmm. can do political stuff, can do write storytelling, can hang out, have bases. a nice dinner with, you have a nice hang with, you say, Oh nice God, what a hang. Fun night. And yeah. at the end of the night, you go to fish for your wallet and he's got it because he's a magician. <laughs> there you go. Was this your watch? Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure, you that means a lot to me. I had the pleasure of meeting and kind of befriending Carl Reiner. Um 
I really could not believe it. It was years ago when I was doing the Bernie Mac show and we were going to have him on the show. And I was very excited. And I got to get different experiences of him. So when we first met him, we went out to lunch to kind of meet him and say hi. And when we're sitting with him at lunch, he's Carl Reiner, the legend, right? And we're sitting at his feet and he's he's the raconteur. He's a master raconteur, by the way. You know, was oh, yeah, and he's yeah, telling sure. us these stories and everything, and I'm barely peeping up, hardly saying anything. Mm-hmm. Just, just honored to be in that in that glow of Carl Reiner, right? And he was fantastic, and he truly is a mensch. He was just yeah. the nicest man, and so generous with his stories and all that stuff. And I, uh, I remember trying to teach him a magic trick because he said he would hang out with Steve Martin and Johnny Carson, and they always did tricks. And I said, all right, let me give you something to fool him, and that was like my contribution, right? Yeah. So then he comes on the show. And now I'm the executive producer and I'm kind of his boss and he's like an actor and all of his actor insecurities are in full display now and we're in a different wow. relationship. Yeah. And so now I'm taking care of him. I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. Is that? And he's like, is that right? And he's a little unsure of himself. And we're in this totally different dynamic. And I'm like, this is bizarre, mm-hmm. you know? Do, do you think that's because he knows what it's like to be in your chair and he just wants to make your day go as smoothly as possible not at all not at all that's just the makeup he just has he has different lanes and he's just occurring in that he's occurring in that lane authentically you know that 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 he wants real neuroses yes but he wants to he wants to make a valuable contribution so sure that's performers have this type of thing where you know you're you're always not sure you know (laughs) of Mm -hmm. what you're doing is the thing that is doing the thing, you know, you're hoping that it is, but you're never sure, you know? And, uh, so then the third thing was like a couple of months later, they were doing a Dick Van Dyke reunion show and I got to go to the set and Mary oh, Tyler wow. Moore's there, Dick Van Dyke. Oh my you know, God. Persky and Denoff are there, the original writers, you know, I'm talking to them, Rosemary. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And now he's Carl Reiner, the showrunner. Wow. You know, okay. from back then. That's and amazing. all their relationships go back. Like I see, like Mary Tyler Moore, even though she's the legend, she was like the young Mary Tyler Moore, the way she yeah. interacted with Carl and Dick. Fitt. I'm like, this is insane, you know. Mm-hmm. And now I see the master at work and I see his brain working. And even though he was older, he's still like every because as a showrunner, everything's got to be in your head. Just the, everything, you know. And so and Julie, like, you know, you've not only <laughs> Julie has everything in her head, she's acting in the damn thing, too. Right. So, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You know, at Carl Reiner, imagine what was he eighty or something at that time, or close to it, and he's doing that. That's crazy. And That's to see amazing. him in those three realms was just great. Mm-hmm. It was really That's cool. That's such a privilege. That's so now, great for somebody like you who have ha- you have this career where it's like it's like you could check all the columns. Yeah. But sometimes that's there's a there's a there's a that can be a difficult thing because then people are just like, well, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like who? Like what? What? What's the goal? Rather than somebody who has, you can explain their thing in one sentence, and mm-hmm. that's who they are, and everybody understands who they are. What is? What has that been like for you to have these multiple interests and abilities mm-hmm. that kind of maybe don't pigeonhole you as just one thing that is easily definable? Well, it means I have fans that don't necessarily overlap. You know, mm-hmm. so like some people would recognize me, but from my appearance on The Office. You know, and sure. had no idea that I'm a writer or that yeah. you know, I've had this whole career. Didn't even know that I did like daily show stuff for that. They just know me as an actor that's been on things and that's it. There are people that know me from the daily show stuff or nightly show 
And there are people who know me as a writer producer because that's how I first kind of appeared, even though yeah. I was a, I was a stand up before that and had no idea I had that lane. There's there's all these like uh, compartments for me. I I'm really don't I'm not concerned so much about that because I'm in the eye of the hurricane. I guess I just do it. And I'm I'm sure. thankful when people, uh, you know, come up and they like what I do or whatever. It's all good. I don't mind having a lot of different compartments. It's kind of mm-hmm. how my brain works anyway. Sure. Well, it keeps it interesting then also. I call it a moving target because it's showbiz. And we know how we know how quickly showbiz can be through with you. So part of it yeah. is, was a survival mechanism. Oh, absolutely. The way that I first started thinking like that, you know. I would like to wrap up by asking you about your dog, Buster. And what is the funniest thing he did this week? Buster, Buster, Buster. He's such a he's such a cool dog. You know, he's just. <laughs> Is he a he, naughty boy or is he a very kind, good boy? He's a stinker. Ah! So, you know. ain't, ain't, I a, ain't I a stinker? You know? Ain't I a stinker? What a way to build a railroad. <laughs> exactly. So he's got that Bugs Bunny thing where oh, he, you, the best. Yeah, he's Michigan J Frog. So he'll sing the songs <gasps> until you want him to and then he oh, won't, like, you know. So he has Can that kind of... Can I just say of, that my favorite thing about that, there's so many things. that that. But first of all, that cartoon stresses Tom out. Oh, yeah, yeah that one gives me... Because it, <laughs> he it is like... deal it, it one, been the, one froggy yeah. morning is his trigger. Because uh, it's, so, it's the kind of thing where it's like... it's It was maybe the introduction to me that life was not f- fair. <laughs> it, like where it's just kind of like you can tell the truth... Yeah, and it no doesn't matter. You. Like they, yeah. they will not believe you. And you, nope. be, I swear, he was just singing. You should have just seen it. I, I, I'm telling you, he was singing. It's like that and Mr. Ed. Any of these things where it would be yeah. like, I swear, he was just doing it. That's well, like the worst yeah. phrase to me ever. It, Tom really, this really stresses me out. For me, what I think is very underrated in that cartoon is everybody focuses on the Hello My Baby, which is extremely funny. But what good. I think is super funny is when they cut to him and he starts singing about how everyone, everybody's doing the Michigan rag. That's my favorite. Uh-huh. Which is so loves funny. The Michigan everybody's doing the Michigan <laughs> rag. I just like songs about new Love dances it. that yeah. are about how everyone's doing them, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. you've never heard of them. I love it too. That's my favorite. That's the part I always do. And Michigan also, everybody's doing. <laughs> and also, like, what a funny thing for a frog to sing about. Exactly. And then finally, I just I don't know songs about new dances that people claim everyone is doing, and they don't even tell you how to do it. Yeah. The best. It's great. He's yeah. you know he's in that frog's an entertainer. The frog know? kicks ass. You have the dog equivalent of that frog. Yes, that's right. Where it's <gasps> like uh, you have Michigan J dog. Right, exactly. What is sandpaper? Roof. What's on the top of the house? Roof. What? It's the best ball player. Roof. Roof. Do, do you goes, think I should have said? What is it? The punchline? Do you think maybe I should have said, said the magio? <laughs> <laughs> my That's son, how Buster talks. Yeah, my son still quotes that line. That's one of his favorites, actually. Maybe I should have a- said the magio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's those cartoons had such a 30s, 40s uh, ethos to them. They're just in those funny days. Jews that, who did radio. Mel Blank, by the way. A, that's it. A, such a genius, you know, Total for the genius. types of voices. And what a Absolutely. type of particular talent that you had in those days uh, to manipulate your voice and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I'm a huge fan of old radio. I love that stuff, you know. 
And even radio acting is different than normal acting because you're acting with your voice yeah. more than, and there's subtle things you can do with your voice that you can't necessarily do with your face, you know. You like Bob and Ray? Oh, yeah. All of that stuff is good, you know. That's more of the... Uh, 50, did you grow 60s, up with that? Yeah. Did you grow up? Not were your really. parents like comedy nerds or no? They didn't. No, my parents stuff? were. They were not comedy nerds. That kind of stuff. I kind of first got in the neighborhood a little bit. Like there were underground party records, like Red Fox and yes. Richard Pryor and that kind of stuff. You know, and you weren't supposed to listen to those because of what they were talking about. You know, so we were. That seemed like it was Naughty. dirty. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Those were my first ones. And I would hear like the Bill Cosby albums I would hear on the on the radio because my parents didn't buy those. They bought music. They, they weren't mm-hmm, buy that mm-hmm. stuff. So that that stuff wasn't in the house. But television, you know, I watched all television. So I saw so much of that stuff on, on right. TV. Anyway, so. What are the best things? I don't know if you if Tom, you ever listened to Larry on Fresh Air, but I remember there was one interview that Terry did with, and by Terry, I mean Terry Gross did yes, with him. My friend Terry. <laughs> you know, Terry Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Terracotta, I call her sometimes. Terry Cloth. Um, that's my girl. Terry Cloth. She, uh, <laughs> with like the Bill Cosby stuff had just gone down, and, and Terry uh, Gross asked Larry, like, had you heard about that stuff? And Larry goes, oh, yeah. And he started absolutely. laughing. <laughs> He just acted as though Terry had asked him, like, Uh did you know the sky was blue? And Larry was like, yep, yes, it is. Worst kept secret in Hollywood. I mean, I I heard about Cosby's stuff. Well, the first I heard the first of him being an asshole years ago, because my mom and her friend were in San Diego for some tennis tournament. They asked him for his autograph. She said he was so nasty to us, you know, just I don't do that kind of thing and I and so it turned me off on Cosby at that time I don't do and that kind of thing but wait do you hear what I do do exactly yeah. so it was before the Cosby show came on so I was kind of like oh, down on Cosby then God. but then a few years after the Cosby show I remember hearing someone and I heard this person from them that Cosby was creepy and the word was to not ride in an elevator with him alone and that type of thing and I heard a story about him like following somebody home and just some weird stuff like that. But I never heard anything about knocking people out. But I did mm-hmm. hear about that creepy kind of stuff. That was like in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the story I heard before the real stories came was that like somebody was having a business meeting with him at a restaurant in mm-hmm. the corner. And then they realized partway through that there was someone under the table who was uh, accommodating Bill during the conversation. No way polite way of putting it even carl reiner uh we were talking about cosby mm-hmm. back in the early aughts and he said he was kind of shaking his head and this was before like the big rape allegations so it wasn't like that was in the news mm-hmm. but he was reacting to uh having met cosby in the late 60s and he said he was such a young good guy beautiful wife and he's like i just didn't understand why he had to you know just cheat on her and do all that stuff. He didn't use those words, but the way right. he was described. And he seemed so disappointed. It was kind of interesting the way he was talking about it. Like, why would a guy want to do that? Type yeah, of thing? he had faith in humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just have one other question that, you know, Bernie Mac's one of my all-time favorite stand-ups, and you worked with him. And what do you think his career would have looked like if he had not uh, died prematurely? Like, where would he be at this point? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, Bernie always had a special place, I think, with the audience. So I think that, like Chappelle, you know, the more, you know, the older someone likes that get, the the 
zero, the more zero fucks they have to give, you know, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was trying to find a number less than zero, but that's yeah. what uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, to me, he, I'm sure he'd just be more revered, you know. Sure. Unfortunately, I mean, do you think he would have been an actor, like, like, like primarily an actor at this point? Well, he was doing that. Bernie was doing a lot of films and that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, it was tough. That disease that he had was one of those autoimmune things. So it kind of... Kind of attacks you over time, but who yeah. knows? I, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I'm I'm not kind of in the career prognostication business, I guess. Oh, I thought maybe your magic. I thought maybe you could do some futurism. <laughs> yes, exactly, Larry. Imagine a parallel world in which bad yeah. things not didn't happen. Three like, times, if you <laughs> right. are. Yeah, my crystal ball. <laughs> I see an Oscar. Yes. I see. No, nah, he he was very talented. Very talented. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah. Larry. Yes, ma'am. I love you. Oh, Julie, I love you too. And, you know, Julie and I may have some surprises coming up. Who we knows? We have something we'll coming up around. Uh, it's possible. We'll see. I call it the war against Christmas. Larry calls it Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Larry calls it the war against Hanukkah because that's his journey. The war against Qua- uh, Kwanzaa. Kwasnika? Yeah. Uh, I've always. I've always joked against Kwanzaa. I'm like, brothers weren't asking for Kwanzaa. We liked Christmas. Kwanzaa's the white man trying to take Christmas away from us, is what that is. Like, it was made up in the 60s. Who wants? I'm like, I don't want a holiday that was made up in the 60s, for Christ's sakes. You know, thank you. We will take Christmas. Thank yeah. you very much. Any, yeah. like, any, like, Reese, yeah, like Scientology was made up in the 60s or 50s, 50s or something. Yeah, exactly. Where you're just like, that's a, t- that's a too little recent. too recent. Mm-mm. You cannot have religion that's just made up in your lifetime. That's it's that's like, younger than television. Yeah. Once you yeah. have the printing press or like radio or TV, it's like God yeah. would have. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. God waited a long time to make himself yeah. known to the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, religion. That'll be Larry's next show. Oh, called religion. Oh, religion. Yeah. Find out why Larry says this. Oh, religion. Find out why Larry <laughs> says this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, we love you. The the show's called Wilmore. I yes. really, really love the first Thank episode. You, it's on Peacock. And it's Friday nights is when we drop new episodes every Friday night on Peacock. Thank you so of much, course. Larry. So much. And uh we'll see you soon. Okay, yes. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Oh, my God. He is the best. Larry Wilmore. What an honor. He's the best. He's the greatest. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the magic. You know what I'm saying? He's saying he's a magician to me. He's the magic. He's magic. He's magical. He's a magic man. He's he's a very... uh, He's one of those people that... We're lucky to have him just as a constant Absolutely. doing his thing. There need yeah. to be more good, kind, funny, smart people in the on the world. In mm-hmm. the world. On the world, yeah. in the world. You know me. I'm a flat earther, so I say on the world. Yes, I know. We I know that. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Double Throw. We have another great one coming up next week. Can't wait for you to hear that. It's gonna be a special one and it's gonna be epic sauce it's gonna be awesome sauce and epic sauce it's gonna be a big something burger yeah it's gonna be a a laugh a a laugh burger you're ready are you ready for a laugh burger i'm gonna feed you one
I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a laugh burger right now. I keep watching Popeye because I'm mentally ill. I watched it three times this week because I'm unraveling emotionally. (laughs) Is it one of those things where you're just like, it will eventually make sense if I just keep watching? Yes. And it's also one of those. I've had very strong reactions to things where I'm like, I hate this. And then I keep watching it and I'm like, I love this. And I, I can't say I love it or not, but I am just fascinated by it. like the stuff that 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 like doesn't make sense can become good. And then it is also not. And I, uh, I, I don't know. There's, it's just the strangest thing that's ever been made in many ways. But I do yeah. think Robin Williams was great in it. Mm-hmm. I heard a story this week that uh, Robert Evans was like sneaking cocaine onto set, like inside of props. Have you heard There's, that story? Uh, to me, uh, first of all, I don't know if there was any sneaking. You know what <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean? <laughs> like by sneaking, do you mean that he's like, "Hey, Robin, catch!" And he threw like a big like brick towards like, him. He's like, "Hey, Robin, this can here is spinach. It's actually filled <laughs> with cocaine." Wait, where did you read that about Popeye bread? Because the 40, I think the 40th anniversary thing is coming, or the 50th anniversary, I guess, is coming out, the DVD. Uh, I actually heard it on Podcast The Ride. Great podcast okay. uh, right here on Forever Dog. New episodes every Friday. Oh, pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. Uh, yeah, that movie's just crazy. And I, and I strongly feel, and no one cares, that Paul Dooley was miscast as Wimpy. No, it's important. It's important. It's important uh, to no one. No, I think it look, you see how the thing could have been better. Do I? <laughs> who would have been a better who would have been a better wimpy than Paul Dooley? Oh gosh, nineteen eighty? I mean like John Candy, maybe? Mm-hmm. I want Candy to play Wimpy. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening and keep us uh keep keep tweeting and and subscribing when listen wherever you listen podcasts give us five stars and thanks for supporting the show and and it all serious happy new year uh to those of us who celebrate and those who don't and let's all have a sweet happy or at least uh more sane and healthy year to come yes shanatova baby bye forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.